Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett saying we lost our first game of the NFL season. The San Francisco 49ers fell short in Cleveland, losing 19-17 against the banged-up Cleveland Browns. The defense played fine for San Francisco, did enough, Ben don't break. The offense, entirely different story. Brock Purdy had his worst game ever as a starter. Kyle Shanahan had a... Pretty bad game when it came to play calling and clock management. And overall, it felt like the San Francisco 49ers in a rainy day in Cleveland were outmatched against what is the number one defense in football. Um, This is a game San Francisco should have won. This is a game that they'll look at the tape and they'll see many plays. A ton of meat left on the bone. And I'm sure they'll be frustrated, mad, and upset. And on top of that, a handful of injuries to go around so you lose fall to five and one losing 19 to 17 on a missed game winning field goal via the foot of jake moody and you also lose christian mccaffrey for an undisclosed period of time uh supposed to be getting mri results in the next few days hopefully it's not too serious uh, but also debo samuel and trent williams both injured their ankle and shoulder in this game and while both those guys are day-to-day and they seem to be okay and will hopefully play Monday against the Vikings, it does feel like that San Francisco left this game with their head down and almost got humbled against the best defense in football. Um, But again, this is a game the Niners should have won. Now, no harm, no foul when it comes to losing this game because although you want to win this game, knowing what happened afterward with the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Jets uh, makes you a little happy or at least can make you accept the loss. Again, albeit it shouldn't have happened. And I think San Francisco will again watch the tape and say we can score 25 points, 30 points against this Browns defense, Uh, but also the Seahawks lost. So your two biggest competitors, one in the NFC, the other in the NFC West, both lost on Sunday. So you don't lose any ground. You don't gain any either. So really, it's kind of a wash of a week. And I will say this. I don't think of the of those three teams that lost, being San Francisco, the Eagles, and the Seahawks, I don't think San Francisco looked the worst of the three, knowing the context. I still think San Francisco is a top five team in football. And I do think that when you watch the tape, when Brock Purdy sits down and watch how poorly he played, he will look at it and say, okay, uh, I know I have to get better. He himself said, I'll watch the tape, I'll dig into it, and I know I have to be better, and he will play better. We'll dive into his game. Is the book now out on Brock Purdy? But right now, I have to say this, that Jim Schwartz has the book 
on how to stop a Kyle Shanahan-led offense. Kyle Shanahan is now 1-9 against a Jim Schwartz-led defense. And in fact, both times, a Kyle Shanahan-led offense, 2016 against, or with the Falcons, they were 9-0. And this year with San Francisco being 5-0, both times he's had undefeated teams. Their first loss was against a Jim Schwartz-led defense. And in this game, it did feel like that Jim Schwartz had the book, had the game plan, knew the plays Kyle Shanahan wanted to run. I saw eight, nine guys in the box. The intermediate game was not there at all for San Francisco. And the handful of times San Francisco, that being Brock Purdy, tried to throw deep. Um, it was dropped or overthrown. It felt it, from the from the get go. It was a game where San Francisco's offense felt off. Um, I said it coming into this week that albeit I thought they were going to win this game and should have won this game. I did say when you play four essentially four games at home, uh, one in L.A. and three at Levi Stadium back to back to back. You're asking the offense to then travel to the East Coast or in Ohio, which is the Midwest or, or, or I guess, northern part of the country, but also in the Eastern Hemisphere, I guess. Um, you're asking them to play a 10, 10 a.m. game in the cold in October where it's a little wet and raining and you get comfortable. Your body gets complacent here in the Bay and here in California, and you're asking them to kind of play out of the elements they're used to and while again, it shouldn't have been a letdown, it certainly was one. It felt like they left the offense here in the Bay at Levi Stadium because there was really none, or it was a lackluster performance from Brock Purdy and the rest of the offense. Chris McCaffrey had a pretty bad game. Now, to his credit, he was hurt for a large portion of the second half and did get a touchdown in 15 consecutive games. So uh, let's jump into this game itself. Let's dive into really almost drive by drive what happened and before i do i want to ask you to like share and subscribe hit the like button it certainly helps the show uh, as we dive into sunday's game against the cleveland browns where the first drive it felt like san francisco had this game on lock the offense looked awesome uh took them five plays 84 yards uh and they marched down the field and they scored a touchdown um, now, albeit 30 of those yards were on personal fouls against Christian McCaffrey, which may feed into certain Niner players stating that other teams have been targeting him, which who knows, but still uh, five plays, 85 yards, marked down the field and you score a touchdown, you're up seven, nothing. I think we're all sitting there saying, okay, they, they don't have Deshaun Watson. They don't have Nick Chubb, Joe Batonio, like, and we marched down on their defense and put up seven points and made, or was supposed to make, P.J. Walker beat us, I think the Niner fans collectively thought, put it in a bag, wrap it up, this game's over with already. And to the Browns' credit, they did not stop fighting from jump. Um, their defense clawed itself back. Now, on the very next drive for the Browns, so San Francisco's winning 7-0, it's the opening drive, and now San Francisco has scored a point in every single one of their first drives in six consecutive weeks, scoring a touchdown in five of those six weeks. They have scored a total of, what is that? Quick math here, five times seven, that's 35, 38 points 
on opening drives this year leads the entire NFL. So getting off to a hot start is um, their strength. They did that on offense, and the next drive for the Browns, P.J. Walker throws a pick right to Fred Warner, and again, we're thinking this thing's in the bag. The defense is getting takeaways. The offense is scoring points, and this is our chance to go make it a 14-point game, and... Again, we're riding high thinking, man, put the Browns out of this one early, lock it up, uh, to throw away the key, and let's wrap this thing up and let's go home with the win getting up two scores in this one in a matter of two drives. That's what we thought was going to happen, but that's not exactly how it went. Um, San Francisco's subsequent drive that starts on the Browns' 26-yard line. First play, screen pass to CMC, get you negative eight. The next play, a false start on George Kittle, backs you up five. So your first two plays, you get minus 13 yards. Then the next two, back-to-back short yardage gains. And then Jake Moody misses a 54-yard field goal. Now, even if Jake Moody hits this field goal at the time, you think, well, that's not going to play a factor. Yeah, you have to score points, but... With the way things are going, a missed early field goal shouldn't hurt the team. Well, in fact, uh, now being able to look back and, uh, you know, (laughs) go rewatch the game, we can sit here and say, if Jake Moody makes this kick, um, we're 6-0 right now, and who would have thought a kick that early in this game would change the outcome as much as it did? But didn't make it. You missed points the first of many times a flag and or a Miss field goal costs San Francisco, and not the first time, nor the last time, they are going to get inside the Browns' 35-yard line and not get points out of it. But going back to that Kittle fall start, um, there were a ton of penalties in this game. I am not someone who is going to sit here and say, the refs cost the Niners this game. That's not what happened. That is not the case. Yes, Was there a clear, it felt like the refs did want to control this game. I'm not sure if that was because of the fight pregame, which could have been the case. Maybe there was a conversation of, okay, we have to, you know, call this game strict, not allow these grown men to police themselves, which, okay, but it did feel like at times, and we'll get to them, especially late in the game, there were some times that, penalties referees themselves did steer this game in a certain direction now the end result was up in the air but it did feel as if the refs were kind of guiding this game along as to how they wanted it to plan out i'm not saying it's rigged it just felt like the refs had their hands all over this one uh on sunday in cleveland so the first drive of the game for san francisco two personal fouls on cleveland leads to a touchdown first drive Two personal fouls lead to seven points for San Francisco. The next drive of San Francisco, a false start, leads to a missed field goal. So back-to-back drives for the Niners, you see two penalties lead to either seven points or no points, or a missed field goal, okay? The next bra- uh, the next drive, excuse me, for Cleveland, uh, they have a holding penalty, which nullifies a touchdown. They then miss a field goal, so... Three, almost three consecutive drives 
we have seen points either put on the board or taken off the board due to penalties. Uh, then San Francisco's third drive of the game, uh, Spencer Burford gets called for holding, which would have put San Francisco near midfield at, four and th at fourth and three, which we've seen Shanahan go for it three times, two times this year on fourth down. Uh, he may have gone for it then, so... You now have three consecutive Niners drives kind of stymied or helped by penalties, and you have one Cleveland drive so far that had a touchdown nullified via penalty. So already in the early portion of this game, we have penalties galore costing or giving points to either one of the teams. The Browns' next drive. The Browns go for it on third down, then the refs bring out the chains, but the thing isn't straight, and they're leaning it at an angle, and you're like, if you just hold it upright, <laughs> you like, it's not that hard. Just pull the chain, make sure it's straight, and then you call it a day. What do the refs do? It's leaning awkward, like the freaking leaning tower of Pisa. Uh, didn't the Cleveland Browns have to challenge it to just make a simple first down uh, signification? And right then and there, I said, oh my god, these refs are inept. They are going to ruin this game for one of these teams. Either one of these teams are going to have their game ruined by a dumb or just stupid play call by one of these refs. Um, Cleveland gets the first down and the drive, they get no points out of, but then on San Francisco's fifth drive, so on San Francisco's first, second, third, and fifth drive of the game, in this drive, Purdy misses a wide open Christian McCaffrey uh, back shoulder fades, overthrows him. Not sure if it was the weather, the ball was wet, um, just overshot him. It was an off day for Brock Purdy. He looked human for the first time in his career, uh, and in fact, looked pretty bad <laughs> for the first time in his career. Missed open touchdown, could have made this game 17-7 at halftime. But still, even though he missed that throw, San Francisco had the football at Cleveland's 32-yard line with two minutes left. And here come the penalties once again. Delay of game on San Francisco uh, moves the ball back to the 37-yard line. And here we see where Kyle Shanahan's just... Un, like, I don't know if he thinks you can, like, stack up timeouts going into halftime and carry him over into the second half. Um, Kyle, when you're at your opponent's 32-yard line with two minutes left and you have two timeouts left, um, that's when you call a timeout if there's going to be a delay of game. I love you, Kyle. You're one of the greatest offensive minds in the league today. Your clock management is still... An issue. And it's not as if you don't have the examples to learn from, my friend. The fact that you let a delay of game call happen on your opponent's 32-yard line, up 10-7, to with the chance to at least get a field goal and go up 13-7, to making it a one-score game, but force them to half to get a touchdown against you. You let a delay of game penalty occur, move San Francisco back to the 37-yard line. The next play, Purdy freaking fumbles. He jumps on it in a punt. Now, of course, 
I'm not saying the pretty fumble wouldn't have happened had Shanahan not called a timeout or, or had he called the timeout. But at that point, call a freaking timeout, my guy. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to sit there and go, I wish I had it back. No, use it then. Regroup yourselves. You can call a new play or the freaking same play for all I care, but you can then save yourself from losing five yards for no reason. I get you're frustrated. The refs aren't helping you by any you know, by any means. They're in fact hurting you. But this is a chance for you to almost save your team from the slow start they're having. Kind of get them out of the lull they're in. You call a timeout. You avoid the five-yard penalty. The ball's still at the 32. Jake Moody can make a 55-yard field goal. Now, not in this game, but in real life he can or other times he has. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply you at least will give him an opportunity to make it. But you don't call a timeout, then things kind of just get out of control. It's a penalty, then a fumble. Then you're forced to punt after having the football at the 32-yard line, San Francisco's second drive of this game, where penalties lead to a missed field goal and or moving them out of field goal range. When you're inside your opponent's 32-yard line twice and you get zero points out of it, um, that one of them, execution, fine. This one is on coaching. Like, Kyle, you gotta call timeout, my friend. You have to. I'm screaming, watching the game on my phone in the freaking Ontario airport saying, call a timeout, call a timeout, Kyle. Save your team. San Francisco's offense, the entire game was trying to find somewhat of a rhythm, momentum. This wouldn't have given them that, but it would have helped not, you know, put another mark on their record in the negative column. You can help your team, Kyle, by not just calling plays. You can call a timeout, give them some breath. I've seen you waste timeouts in the first quarter, but you won't do it in your opponent's inside your opponent's 35-yard line with the chance to get a field goal and go up 13-7 at halftime? That penalty, while it wasn't a drive killer, was certainly or ended up being a pivotal play on this drive to push you out of field goal range and you score no points. In the next play, while you've already blown one drive, the very next drive for the Browns, their fifth drive of the game, uh, Walker fumbles the refs call it a dead ball and say it was a quote-unquote shovel pass and i'm standing here saying wow san francisco had a gift taken away from them because that would have been their ball once again inside cleveland's 32 yard line actually in fact inside their 20 yard line with another chance and a likely chance of getting a field goal it was almost like the football gods were saying Kyle, we're going to save you. We've seen your mistake. You have our favor. And the ref said, no, no, there are no football gods. We are the football gods. And they belly laughed their way to blowing this play dead. And I don't understand this because 
there was a pivotal game, I believe it was 2020 or 2021 or some game in the recent history of the NFL where it was the Rams and the Saints. And the Rams were winning. The Saints stripped the ball, ran it for a touchdown, but they called the play dead instead of like what should have happened in this game, let the play happen. Let it unfold itself, play itself out, and then allow yourself to go to the booth, review it, and then either say call on the field stands or you can reverse it and give the ball back to Cleveland the refs in this game and again I am not saying they're the reason San Francisco lost there are many other reasons including the refs but many other reasons that were in San Francisco's control where they could have won this game despite the refs but the refs certainly didn't help them in this instance let the play play out NFL. It's not hard. This, your whistle, take it out of your mouth and say, I'm not going to blow it. But the refs in this game, and really a lot of poor refing, refereeing the entire week six of football, Philadelphia Jets, uh, Buffalo and the Giants late in that game may have cost the Giants a win. Um, in this game, this play being one of the biggest uh, examples of poor refereeing where let the play play out. If it's a fumble, either Nick Bosa scoring a touchdown or they're at least getting a field goal. Like this, like this did, this non-fumble call did in fact change the game. Swallow your whistle for one play, then go review it and just make sure the call is right. I don't know what it is with NFL refs because MLB refs, it certainly took some time, but they implemented like reviewing and challenges and those refs have no problem those umpires have no problem saying i was wrong the call is out or the runner is safe or whatever it is but in the nfl it's like we are god we are the only we are judge jury and execution shout out judge dread like they are the law <laughs> and i get that but there's a reason the nfl is arguably the most high-tech league they have cameras everywhere. They have them up above, on the pylons, on the field, on the turf. Like, there are cameras built in to the grass. And you can't just let the... like. No one cares who the NFL refs are. All fans want is a correct call. I'm not saying go back to the, the Saints challenging PIs. That was stupid. What I'm saying is on a play like this where may lead to a turnover at a pivotal portion of this game going into halftime, swallow your whistle, then allow yourself to review it. If it's still not a fumble, cool. I'm happy you looked at it. I could hate that that's not the call, but I will be happy as a fan to say at least they did their due diligence. But the NFL doesn't like doing that at certain games or at certain times because the refs have egos. The refs hated when you can challenge a dpi call and i get it i didn't like it either that's why it doesn't exist anymore but there was like the refs and i forgot who the guy the guy at the top was but he would hardly ever rule against the refs it was like i have to protect my guys it's the boys club i don't want to let my guys look bad no one cares just get the call right <laughs> there are too many times in this game 
where penalties were occurring where there weren't one or there was one on both sides that it wasn't called. Um, this play being the bigger example of it, a play that looked like a fumble that the ref said, no, dead ball instead of letting it play itself out and then reviewing it. It didn't happen. It sucked, but it felt as if the refs were going to make this game about them rather than these elite defenses and one of the league's remaining undefeated teams on the field. Now, don't favor my guys. Don't favor San Francisco. Just get the call right. It's all I care about. All I want. There are ways to make this thing work. Just don't blow your whistle. But going to halftime, not great, right? But then the next drive for... Um, the Browns coming out of halftime, they get a field goal, then San Francisco punts, and you're like, we have to get something going. We need a spark. The very next drive, Diamondor Lenore gets a pick. The next play, San Francisco, Jordan Mason runs for a touchdown, 17-13 lead, and we're like, yes. Like, just escape. There are, you can steamroll five teams in a row. There are going to be games in, in the NFL where you just have to escape with a win where you're playing a divisional opponent or a team that just has your number that day. It's life, it's football. Jim Schwartz had and still has Kyle Shanahan's number. This felt like one of those days where if we can just eke this one out, that's fine, we'll take it. I'll take Debo hurting his shoulder and Trent hurting his ankle and CMC having an oblique injury just escape with the win. It felt like that was going to happen for five minutes. They're winning 17-13. to The Browns go down. Defense holds up. Can't get in the end zone. Um, it's 17-16. Okay. This, to me, outside of the missed field goals, was the biggest mismanagement by San Francisco, a.k.a. Kyle Shanahan, in the entirety of the game. Um, defense allowed, what, two or three big plays in this game. Lenore fell down once. It wasn't as if the defense played poorly, right? It, this offense was the reason this team lost. And the Browns' defense playing great football. That's great. Like They deserve a ton of credit for how well they played. But this next drive, San Francisco is up 17-16 in the fourth quarter, Okay. This drive starts with 3 minutes and 21 seconds left. I believe the Browns had two timeouts, okay? So they can stop the clock twice prior to the two-minute warning, okay? What does Kyle Shanahan do? He decides to pass the ball three straight times. The first one called for an intentional grounding call, um, Brock Purdy, so it's a incomplete pass, clock stops, and you lose a down on the play. The very next play is a quick out to Ayuk, who goes out of bounds, and you're like, mm. then the next play, incomplete pass, no first down, um, and San Francisco, through three plays, right, just three plays, with the lead in 321 on the clock, Gives the ball back to Cleveland. Kyle, 
We already talked about you not calling timeouts when you could have got a field goal. Hey, Kyle, when you're up by one, this is your chance to put the game away. And I understand that McCaffrey wasn't in the game at this point, and so maybe you're worried about the fact that I don't have my star running back. Um, I get that. But you have Jordan Mason, who was averaging 5.4 yards a carry, a big, bruising running back who, I get your offensive line's getting pushed around, but this boy is showing he can get you some chunk yardage. Even if Jordan Mason averaged three yards a carry on three straight running plays, it's fourth and one. You go for a QB sneak and you're almost guaranteed to get it. I don't get, I don't understand the play calling. I don't understand the desire to pass the ball and not run it here. You can force the Browns to take, if not all of their timeouts, at least one. And if you run it, the it's a 40-second play clock. You run the ball the first time. Boom, you're down to 240, okay? Even if the Browns take their timeout there, you are guaranteed to at least get to the two-minute warning, giving them just under a minute to score a field goal on your defense. I know it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, and in fact, this is going to come out on Tuesday, so I guess Tuesday morning quarterback, but Kyle, you have a chance to... Put this game in your defense's hand because your offense isn't executing. But you also have a chance to ice this game out. Run it three times in a row with Jordan Mason. Get the ball to the two-minute warning. And if you're lucky, Jordan Mason, who again is averaging 5.4 yards a carry, maybe he gets you a first down and you give him the ball back with 30 seconds left, 20 seconds left. Shanahan blew an opportunity here, or what seemed like one, to put this game away for San Francisco. So then what happens? The Browns march down the field, and they get a field goal. Make it 19-17, but, but here, another drive where the Browns got a ton of help by the refs. Um... Their first set of plays, first down incomplete, second down incomplete. You're going, oh my goodness, it's it's third and ten? We're feeling good about ourselves? Boom, incomplete. And then you're saying, Gibson laid some wood. He laid that guy out. And the flags fly. And it is abundantly clear on the replay. And I get, I'm not asking for a challenge or a review of a penalty via the booth and say it's overturned or whatnot. What I'm asking is that you have a gigantic jumbotron. You can't confer as a group. You have to get this call right. There was no helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact. It was shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder-to-collarbone area, this was not an illegal hit. Now, again, the game shouldn't have got this far. I've already mentioned there have been already two opportunities inside Cleveland's 32-yard line to put up points. They didn't do that. The game shouldn't have been down to this final drive. Purdy missed a touchdown throw to CMC. 
there have been plenty of times opportunities for San Francisco to put up points in this game and not have this game, their undefeated streak, come to an end based off of this one drive. But what happens is you open the door up for refs who are having themselves quite the party on the field. You are putting it in the hands of your opponent and the referees who in this game were not on San Francisco's side. You cannot do that, which is why Kyle... Call a timeout earlier. Kyle, don't call three straight passing plays with 321 left and a chance to ice this game or at least force the Browns to use their timeouts or, better odds, get it under two minutes. Kyle doesn't do it. Uh, Gibson gets called for a unnecessary roughness call and another penalty hurting San Francisco in this game. What happens later? They march the ball down the field. Mooney Ward gets called for a holding. Five more yards. San Francisco gave the Browns 20 free yards on a game-winning field goal drive. But even then, even through all of that, through the ups, the downs, Purdy's first interception of the season, which wasn't a great throw, San Francisco still had a chance. And in fact, I will say this, that despite San Francisco having the ball two times inside their opponent's 32-yard line and only getting three points, playing a way where you really cannot win football games in the NFL, having the Browns' two touchdown drives need a 58-yard catch by Amari Cooper and two major penalties to extend their drives, Despite all of that, despite Debo being heard and CMC being heard and Trent Williams playing on one foot all night, this team still had a chance to win. Despite Brock Purdy being under pressure 45% of his dropbacks, despite him being 8 for 15 for 80 yards, one touchdown, one pick, in a clean pocket, despite him missing a handful of touchdown plays, despite him going 12 for 27 with 125, 125 yards, one TD and one pick, they still had a chance. Brock Purdy in this game was bad. He was bad. It was his worst game this far as a starter, his worst game this far as a reliever. <laughs> this was the worst game of his entire NFL career. Uh, he did play a part in as to why they lost this game. Uh, there were throws that he normally would make that were behind receivers. Now, again, I do want to give the Browns and Jim Schwartz credit. Um, they had nine guys in the box at times. I was counting nine, eight players in the box. There were schemes that Purdy has never seen before in the live action in his football career in the NFL. He just hadn't seen them line up with one nose tackle and six guys line up behind the tackles of what's going to happen here. The offensive line looked outmatched all day long. There was a reason in this game San Francisco had the lowest offensive yards in the Kyle Shanahan era. 215 yards against the Browns defense. They looked outmatched all day long. He was pressured just under 50% of the time, a large portion of the game, he was running for his life. 
And yes, he didn't have CMC and Debo, but for the first time in his career, without Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy looked human. Um, many people are going to question as to, you know, does this show that Brock Purdy is being carried by the offense? Is it a Shanahan and CMC in, in the weaponry here? Are they carrying Brock Purdy? I don't believe that. I've seen too much of good football to believe that he's had one bad game and oh my goodness, he's exposed. No, I don't believe that, but it's going to open the door to detractors starting to say all those things. And despite every negative thing I just said, which were negative, Purdy was not throwing over linebackers. He wasn't hitting open receivers. He was throwing behind and in front of and above and below guys who were open on passes and plays. An awful game from Brock Purdy. But despite all of that, like he has every time he's asked to and needed to, what does Brock Purdy do on his worst day in his career when his team needs him the most to be the elite quarterback he has shown to be through 14 previous starts? What does he do? He marches his team down the field and gets them into field goal range and puts them in a position to win this game. I have listed a handful of penalties, drives that were ended or driven by <laughs> penalties that led to points, taken away points, that referees were interfering on and certainly changing the outcome of the game. I've led to Shanahan or talked about Shanahan's uh, mismanagement of the clock and how there were times where he needed to help his team out and he didn't. Through all of that, through San Francisco's worst game offensively in the entire Shanahan era, Brock Purdy's worst start ever through three major injuries of CMC, Debo, and Trent Williams, for George Kittle to have one catch for one yard in this game, for Brandon Ayuk to drop three passes, to see this offense almost look like a non-factor every single drive to constantly hurt itself and put themselves in three and five and three and eight and sometimes three and twenty. Despite everything, they had themselves in a position to win the game. Now, we know what happened. Jake Moody pushes the football to the right, and, and, and they lose. Um, I was in my fiance's house. I was in Southern California for this game, and I was yelling in agony. I was like, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Why? And she walked upstairs and said, are you okay? I, I said, I'm not okay. They lost. And she goes, are you talking about football? I go, <laughs> leave me alone in my thoughts. It's the worst day of the season. It's the worst day of my life. And she said, you're a 26-year-old man. <laughs> I said, this means everything to me. <laughs> but this felt like a gut punch to be there, to be like, oh, we're going to win this game. We're going to squeak this one out. This is what great teams do. How many times last year did we watch the Eagles just barely squeak by? 
How many times in 2019 did we just get by a team and go, whew, like, you know, great teams win those games. Great teams win these games. And that isn't to say I don't think San Francisco isn't a great team. They're 5-1. and one. It's not the end of the world. The sky isn't falling. But now the door has reopened itself to, despite Jake Moody being 20 for 20, uh, being named by myself, Legatron, <laughs> and screaming his name from the mountaintops of, you're the best kicker in the NFL right now, and just you know, championing him through five weeks. In his biggest kicks of his career, he missed two of them. Jake Moody missing a kick early and a kick late cost this team a win. In fact, of many factors, this team continually shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and as a team, they lost this game. Um, I do have some very nerdy analytics <laughs> about Jake Moody's kick, but now we have fans clamoring for Robbie Gold. And I get that. When you see someone, what is he like? 50 for 50 or 60 for 60 on playoff kicks. I get it. The hope is that Jake Moody can learn from this and grow from this and hopefully make these kicks against the Vikings next week or when, when he's asked to make these kicks. Kickers miss kicks. The difference is it's the kicks that you miss that matter, right? Had Jake Moody missed a kick against the Steelers, he would have said, eh, had he missed it against the, against the Giants, he would have said, eh, whatever. Had he missed one against the Cowboys last week, he would have said, interesting, but okay. It's when you miss kicks that matter. <laughs> That's what lost Brett Mayer his job with the Cowboys. He was great for 95% of the season, and all of a sudden got the yips, and missed, what, four field goals in a row for the Cowboys and lost his job. And it's not the first kicker, not the last one. Jake Moody, like I said from the beginning, if you're going to take a third-round pick and use it for a kicker, you have to make these kicks. And I said from the beginning, I don't like taking a kicker early or that early in the draft, but if he's going to make game-winning field goals and get you in the playoffs and make game-winning kicks to seal your playoff wins or just wins in general, maybe he is your Adam Vinatieri who clutches up and clinches a Super Bowl win for you via a game-winning field goal, that pick is worth it. Through six weeks, I would say the pick has been worth it so far, but missing at least one of these kicks certainly puts a red marker, a target on Jake Moody's back, where if you just make one, Jake, um, we aren't even having this conversation. We're not, because if you make the one early, you don't need the one late. And if you make the one late, nobody cares and misses the one early. It happens. It sucks, it stinks, but now the conversation is, where is Robbie Gold? But to get back to my nerdy, analytically, statistics I have here for kicks... This is via the weather-applied metrics on Jake Moody's missed 41-yard game-winning field goal. And we'll get to another reason as to why Kyle Shanahan deserves 
a little more flack than he's getting in this game. The initial kick off Jake Moody's foot was 0.44 yards from the goalpost center. Okay, so basically right down the middle. The spin took it rightwards, an additional 0.82 yards, so we're just around, just over one yard. Guess what? That kick is still good, okay? The wind then pushed the ball 2.39 yards further right for a total of 3.64 yards from the center of the goalpost, resulting in a missed game-winning field goal. Now, I'm sure you're sitting there saying, are you serious, Sterling? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Because going back to that final drive, where again, Shanahan has one timeout to go. He had time. I believe there were 13 seconds on the clock in between plays here. He called the timeout at eight seconds. At eight seconds, he called the timeout. Okay? Kyle, if you just run the football one time with Jordan Mason, who again was averaging 5.4 yards a carry, even if he gets you three yards a pop, and I get it. What happens if he fumbles? What happens if the offensive line plays poorly and you lose yardage? You're right. I understand Kyle Shanahan's thinking here. But it's when you pair it with not taking a timeout earlier, you don't get a field goal. Then you pair that with, you have three plays in a row, you can ice the game and you pass it three straight times, only waste 25 seconds, which unfortunately gives me freaking Super Bowl flashbacks against the Chiefs. Then you have this one, where... You have a running back who's averaging 5.4 yards a carry against the defense that has stopped everybody but him. Who has your has the touchdown on the on the day that got you the lead. Run one play. Then call your timeout, even if it gets you two, three yards. You go from kicking a 41-yard field goal to up three yards to kicking a 38-yard field goal. Do you know what happens if they kick a 38-yard field goal? They make the kick. They win the game. It is small things like this that despite the Niners being awesome and Purdy playing great five of the six weeks this year, despite them having Ayuk and CMC and then averaging over 30 points a game and having one of the best defenses in football. It's small stuff like this where their biggest enemy might be their greatest weapon, that being Kyle Shanahan. It is absurd that when he has a chance to either ice a game or help his team in the smallest ways to... Jake Moody, 41 to 38 yard field goal. Do it, Kyle. To call a timeout and open up the room for a field goal attempt, do it, Kyle. 
What does he do? He doesn't do it. He instead sits back, gets conservative at the weirdest times and aggressive at the wrongest times. And he costs, I'm not saying just him, but he's a factor in costing this team a win in Cleveland on Sunday. The sky isn't falling, and Shanahan and Purdy and the offensive line and the defense were not the only reason they lost. That, the defense played great. There was one thing. Um, the fact that the Browns ran for over 120 yards on the ground and this defense missed 10 tackles. Oh, that can't happen. And I know people are pointing to Dre Greenlaw missing the game, and that'll certainly help. Um, there were a few broken plays where Lenore falls down and they get a 56-yard catch by a Cooper. Like, that's just bad luck. That's not bad play. Um, this game just felt as if it's not on your side. It's not your day, <laughs> right? But there were times. Like, how did George Kittle, with no CMC and no Debo, how did he only have one catch all day for one yard. How do you, like, Kyle, you watched this man score three touchdowns a week ago against the Cowboys defense, and you don't find a way to get him the ball? I'm no guru. I'm no offensive-minded head coach. I'm not Kyle Shanahan. Only he can answer you that, but, and to be fair, the Browns played great defense, were awesome in man coverage all game long. Like this was a game where it felt like every single receiver outside of Jawan Jennings was being locked down in this game. The biggest plays pretty much came from McCaffrey's big run, Mason's big run, and then maybe a McLeod jet sweep or Jawan Jennings second down play for a first down. Like, there it just felt as if this team's stars didn't show up. Brandon Ayuk dropped three balls in this game. I counted three. Um, all three of them would at least have put them in field goal range or extended drives that could have at least given them a field goal. Uh, one play that I think hurt them the most was there was a deep shot downfield. Hit right off his hands. That would have then made Cleveland's defense, who again was putting eight, seven, nine man in the box, it would have made them respect and have to guard the deep ball. That one play didn't you know, end the game for San Francisco, but it certainly closed off their offense as to what they wanted to do. Um, Purdy missing McCaffrey for a big touchdown play certainly hurts as well. Um, this offense just didn't come to play. And it still felt like in everyone's worst day, their worst hour, their, their darkest hour, they had a chance to win the game. Um, there are things they have to clean up. This team now ranks 16th in football against the run. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> you can't miss 10 tackles. You can't give up 160 rushing yards after contact. There are things this team must clean up and I guess you can argue that if there was any week for them to lose this week was the best they'll get an extra day that being playing on Monday against the Vikings um some guys were banged up and you got to get healthy again but Philadelphia lost 
Seattle lost. Your biggest competition lost that was tied with you or behind you. You didn't lose any ground. You didn't gain any ground. It's kind of a no harm, no foul weekend. Yeah, of course, there are positives that you could have had. You could have gained some ground on Seattle, could have gained some ground on the Eagles, but you are exactly where you were coming into this week as you were leaving this week. Um, you are in the exact same spot you were. Um, the loss shouldn't have happened, but it could have been a lot worse had Philadelphia and Seattle won. Um, right now, being 5-1 and one isn't as bad as it once sounded. <laughs> now, let's get healthy. Let's go on a run. Let's get CMC's oblique ready to go for a playoff run. And let's just get to the bye week. We can beat the Vikings. Come on, we can beat the Vikings. The Bengals game looking a lot tougher now, right? We can beat the Vikings. We can, if we are at least, at least 6-2 going into the bye week, and I can argue 7-1, we're in a very good spot. Pretty darn good spot. And yes, when you play a Browns team that doesn't have Deshaun and Chubb and Batonio, and you're just like, man, but sometimes some guys got your number. We've watched the, the, the baseball playoffs, the MLB playoffs. I've watched the Braves lose, the Dodgers lose, the Twins lose, the like the Rays, all these top-tier teams of, that's my pick to win the World Series. I've watched all these teams lose. You want to know why? Sometimes you just run into the Texas Rangers or the Diamondbacks or the Phillies. Like Sometimes teams just have your number on any given Sunday, right? Like... Jim Schwartz might be Al Pacino <laughs> at this point. And PJ Walker's Jamie Foxx. Like, it just felt like one of those tough, grinded out days. And San Francisco almost had it. They just missed it by 3.86 yards. <laughs> That's how close this game was. It shouldn't have been, but it was. A tough loss for San Francisco. Now 5-1 and one on the year. Still first place in the NFC Conference it's better to lose against an AFC opponent in the NFC. You can beat the Vikings this next weekend, improve your conference record, improve your standing, uh, or keep that number one spot in the NFC currently. No harm, no foul. Certainly want Debo, Trent Williams, and Christian McCaffrey to get healthy. Dre Greenlaw is due back in practice this week. And we're only two weeks away from the bye week. Finish out strong, and let's get that second half Jump started quick against Jacksonville in three weeks. It's going to be fun. Going to be two tough games in a row. Vikings on Monday, I believe, in Minnesota. And Cincinnati at home. Joe Burrow playing a lot better now against this Niners team. Let's find ourselves again. Get the offense rolling again. And let's finish the first half on a strong run. And let's finish 7-1 and one going into the bye week. Um, we want this. We need this. We're almost halfway done with the NFL season. And again, as always, if you want to go to a game, use our promo code 49ers access. I don't care if you live in Buttucky or Wisconsin or Washington. You can use that promo code and save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Again, 40 Niners access 49 ERS again save some money get $20 off you can also 
follow us on social media. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. 49ers.access is the Instagram. You can also use our link up above or down below at fanatics.com. Buy yourself some merch and support the show in the meantime. Niners lost. First one of the year. It certainly stinks. Didn't make me happy. I wanted to cry, but let's make it the last loss of the season. Let's beat the Vikings and the Bengals and the Jaguars and the Bucks. And how about just sweep the NFC West again? And let's beat the Philadelphia Eagles. This game is not going to crush our season. You want to win, but this game is not a season ender or a season crusher. Plenty of time to go. Plenty of more games to win and get back on track against Kirk Cousins in prime time. Stay tuned for the preview podcast of that game coming out later this week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Don't leave a like. Don't forget to leave a like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. Until next time, stay faithful.